Welcome to InfoSecurity Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights, topical debate, and expert interviews from the information and cybersecurity world. Hello and welcome to this September edition of the InfoSecurity Magazine podcast. My name's Beth Mondral and I'm joined by our Deputy Editor, James Coker. Hi, James. Hi, Beth. Good to be here. How are you doing? Yep, all good. And I'm looking forward to getting into um, our topic today, which is going to be the cybersecurity skills gap and recruitment and kind of the issues behind the people um, within the industry. Because... This is the time of year, September, that kids go back to school after a long summer break. And for many of them, that might mean it's their last year of education before making decisions that could carve out the path they take into their future careers. So many within the cybersecurity industry will surely be hoping that the career path that some of these students choose leads them to a job in cybersecurity because the skills gap, the jobs gap is one of the biggest issues we have in our sector. And the workforce shortage is at the moment standing at around 3.4 million people globally. So with that, in this episode, we're going to dive into some of the recent data that's been presented relating to that workforce and skills shortage. We're going to be highlighting findings from the UK government's cyber security skills in the UK labour market 2023 report, which obviously highlights what's going on in the UK, but I'm sure a lot of other countries are dealing with the same issues. We're also going to be taking a look at government initiatives, specifically diving into what's happening in the US with the White House's new National Cyber Workforce and Education Strategy. There is an acronym with that, but I haven't worked out whether you can pronounce it quite yet, the NCWES. (laughs) And then at the end of the episode, we're going to speak to MK Palmore in his capacity as Vice President of Cyversity. Cyversity is is a non-profit dedicated to the academic and professional success of minority cybersecurity students and professionals. Um, MK has got a long career within the cybersecurity industry and currently, as well as his role with Cyversity, is Director at the Office of the CISO for Google Cloud. So that's what we've got coming up. I think first of all, then, let's dive into what this UK labour market report highlighted. And James, I know you've picked out some of the stats and then we can have a little bit of a discussion about um, some of those key findings. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, there was a few concerning stats. I know um, cyber experts were were keen to kind of pick up on from the report. It's found that 50% of UK businesses have a basic cyber skills gap and 33% an advanced cyber skills gap. So advanced is areas such as forensic analysis of breaches, security architecture, interpreting malicious code and so on. It did also find that there was a the shortfall in the UK cyber market had reduced to 11,200 in 2022 compared to 14,100 in 2021. Um, but the government did attribute that to a lower growth of the, of the sector in this year. So we have to sort of bear that in mind. Another issue that was sort of shown in the report was that 
socioeconomic barriers appear to be a big factor in kind of preventing certain people from going into the cyber for a career in cybersecurity. Sorry. So it found that in the latest report, 17% of the UK cyber workforce were female. Uh, and that was a kind of kind of significant reduction from 22% in uh, 2022. So it also found that only 14% of senior roles in the sector are filled by women. So um, yeah, there appears to be a, a wider skills shortage and also um, some um, diversity issues as well within that. Yeah, and I think um, what people were saying when this report was launched as well, that not a lot has changed. Obviously, there's a slight change in the um, shortfall in the UK cyber market and there's some other changes. But generally, compared to last year and the last few years, it's relatively stagnant. And I think what's also interesting is when we talk about the advanced cyber skills gap, obviously, it's amazing to have people coming in new to the industry and um, joining and wanting to learn. But there are needs in, for instance, incident response, high level professionals. And I was speaking to someone recently about this and they were saying the issue is those people, they're in such high demand that they kind of can move about within different businesses quite easily because they'll definitely get better pay packages, for example, because they've got these specialised skills. So once you've got one of these people on your staff, you've got to do a really good job of making sure they stay with you. So that's a challenge for companies as well, which is not just about the recruitment process, but when you've got those people in your firm doing those highly skilled jobs how do you make sure you can retain them because not that money's no object but they can with those specific skills they can definitely go to work elsewhere quite easily the other thing we talk about quite a lot is why it's important for CISOs to have the right skills and the right people um, on their staff it is a matter of security um, and also the breadth of people that you have like from different backgrounds that diversity element completely agree and and as we've seen the industry grow and obviously cybersecurity become a, an increasingly big sector um as you say there's there's such a wide range of specialisms now now in the sector probably previously it was a bit more of a unicorn role um like people who just worked in IT would would kind of cover all bases of cybersecurity and yeah that's not really an option now you need a kind of wide range of skills and increasingly it's kind of been seen that it's not just technical skills as well as a lot of softer skills are very important in cybersecurity. Uh, things like communication, teamwork, so important. And yeah, they're areas that CISOs need to have themselves and also ensure that they have the, the right balance within their teams. Yeah. And um, I think for cybersecurity in general, if you don't have a full team in place or you've got skills that are missing within your team, Ultimately, it does make you more vulnerable as an organisation to the threat actors that are trying to break through your defences. Definitely, yeah. And I think we've seen a lot of studies in regard to, to incident response in particular, and and uh, particularly during periods where uh, public holidays, for instance, it's known that cyber criminals will, will target those times because they know there'll be a shortage of, of staff. And um, yeah, it's hard for organisations to make up that shortfall when they do have kind of down to the down to the bare bones so to speak and and also that uh, skill shortage can cause a lot of stress and burnout in 
people that are working in in the industry they're obviously having to do a lot more work cover cover a lot more bases in in, in their roles um so yeah it's it's a huge issue and, and one the industry really needs to get a grip of yeah and i think um turning to that diversity point then by having a wide range of people on your team whether that's from ethnic minorities different age groups different socioeconomic backgrounds and obviously um multiple genders as well it means that people are thinking in a different way not everyone's taken the same route through life um so they are able to spot issues or challenges or things that someone else might not pick up on because there is that diversity of thought and um, this is something that MK will touch on later and he's a real advocate for diversity within the industry but it does still seem to be a huge challenge and we talk about the challenge of women in cyber a lot but then you break it down further into those ethnic minorities as well and that's even more um, challenging in terms of representation Um, Whilst we were at InfoSecurity Europe, I hosted the Women in Cybersecurity event, which was a fantastic event. And it was amazing to see how many women, we had over 200 um, people there, but how many women wanted to come, learn more, network and um, discuss the opportunities and the challenges within cybersecurity that they're facing today. And we had a really great panel with um, women of all ages on the stage talking about their journeys and things have definitely changed. But it's surprising to me that there is still a big issue and a lot of women still feel that there's a barrier. And I think what is pertinent is in the UK report, they say 14% of senior roles are filled by women, which shows that, okay, while we might be getting better at having women in the industry, they're still not at that top level. And I mean, that's reflected across um, other industries as well that have um, a skew towards being male dominated. But it's really important that we get some role models out there that can show that you can make it to the top. Um, But it's always going to be hard. But I think we're at Maybe we're at a little bit of a tipping point in terms of um, female representation in the industry. And I know there's so many wonderful organisations that support women as well. Um, So that's definitely uh, positive, but there's still a lot of work to go on. But just in general, then what the UK government said is that through their national cybersecurity strategy, there's £2.6 billion set aside for the strategy overall. But Part of the um, diversity of skilled people and the number of people in the cybersecurity profession is coming under one of those pillars. So the strategy is made up of five pillars and the cyber skills gap issue is covered under pillar one, which is the UK cyber ecosystem. I think ecosystem is something we hear quite a lot about as well in terms of cybersecurity. But a lot of people that I was talking to when I was putting the story together on the um, UK's report was saying that there is still a little bit more to do. Um, I spoke to um, Jamie Akhtar, who's the um, CEO and co-founder of a company called CyberSmart. And he said that the strategy is a step in the right direction, but continued effort from government, industry and the education sector is vital, as well as um, consistent monitoring. So the annual reporting that the UK government has done does help um, maintain focus on the issue. But with that, 
I think now to move on to our next topic um, of conversation, and that is the US and its national cyber workforce and education strategy. So this one's built on four pillars. And I'm just going to read those out because I think they're quite interesting to kind of understand. And also, we talked to MK about a couple of the pillars, um, but we don't go through all of them. So the first one is to equip every American with foundational cyber skills. So enabling everyone to enjoy the full benefits of interconnected society. So that's kind of like an ecosystem kind of pillar. Um, Transform cyber education, so addressing the immediate demand for skilled cyber workforce and preparing learners to meet the future needs of a dynamic technological environment. So they're definitely talking about we want everyone to be able to access this digital space, expand and enhance the national cyber workforce. So this is talking about how they're collaborating with a range of stakeholders to adopt a skills-based approach to recruitment and development and increase cyber jobs for all of um, all Americans. And the final one is strengthening the federal cyber workforce, which I think a lot of governments are probably going through that as well, like thinking how do we benefit from these kind of initiatives within our own governmental um, organisations? Because as we know, um, there's something that is vulnerable to cyber attack, not just for the financial gains, um, but from nation states. Um, not an individual pillar, but within the um, strategy, diversity in the workforce is highlighted as a key element. So, James, over to you on what you think of the workforce strategy as a whole and like maybe some of the key elements in those pillars that I've mentioned. Yeah, it's it's really good to see such a comprehensive strategy and and clearly a lot of long term thinking in in regard to this as well, um, which is which is something that's often been a criticism of 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 governments like like the US and and the UK in in the past. It can benefit the wider economy as well as just cybersecurity because there's a lot of talk in the strategy about workers getting access to good paying middle class cyber jobs within their communities, which is obviously a, a fantastic thing more generally. Um, there's also I was really pleased to see the the emphasis of perhaps starting earlier on in the chain, so to speak. So ensuring cybersecurity is taught in school and, and colleges. So really kind of giving access or introducing cybersecurity at a young age to people, which I think is probably a good way to get more diverse range of people in, in into the sector, really, like get them it, no uh, not understanding cybersecurity and sort of working towards it from a from a young age. It was also interesting to see about the talk of of improving recruitment practices, and I know that's a topic that we've covered and we've spoke to experts a lot about over the over the past couple of years. Um, really, the need for organisations to to kind of make their recruitment practices a bit more realistic and to update it. For example, there's there's often been talk of uh, companies having quite unrealistic demands on entry-level cybersecurity jobs, sort of demanding certain qualifications that take a long time to get and are very expensive to get. Um, So yeah, I I think it's a a really good step in, in the right direction. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to pick up on what you said about the recruitment practices as well. I think it's interesting that a lot of companies say they would like to have a more diverse workforce, but then say, but all the applications we got were male, for example, or it wasn't as varied as they hoped it was would be. 
And that really does come down to how are you advertising the job? Where are you advertising the job? And for example, what you said, James, is are there realistic expectations um, of what this role is and who could actually apply for it? Because I think it's a well-known LinkedIn fact or wherever it's been um, thrown around that women will see a CV and try to fit themselves into every single requirement bar like 20%, whereas men will look at a CV and say, well, I've got 20% of that, that'll do. So it's thinking about really from before you even go to market with the role, thinking about how you're actually advertising for that role is kind of half the battle. Anyway, that was just something that's on my mind because I've spoken about it recently with a few people actually. Um, So now I think with that little introduction to the um, US workforce strategy. We'll head over to speak to MK about his thoughts on the issue, what Cyversity is up to at the moment on their program, as well as the um, issue of diversity. So let's head over to my conversation with MK. So hi, MK. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, We're going to touch on the recent announcement from the Biden administration about the National Cyber Workforce and Education Strategy. But before we dive into that, I thought it'd be really great if you could just give us, from your perspective, the current view of the cybersecurity workforce landscape. Sure. Uh, Beth, first of all, thanks for having me on, uh, on the podcast. The observation that the workforce challenge is a particular problem for the cybersecurity industry is a is a welcome initiative. I think from uh, certainly from an industry perspective, the idea that that we can now uh, you know through the power of the White House and sort of government corral all of the various uh, resources together that are needed to really tackle this problem, uh, I think absolutely helps. Um, uh, close the gap or will help close the gap once we get some of the functionality in place. Uh, so, I mean, the landscape is, as everyone knows, a uh, fairly challenging one because we don't have all of the necessary folks in the pipeline that we need to uh, in order to help close the gap. And, and that's what leads many of us in the industry to believe that by expanding uh, the availability of uh, teaching and curriculum and courses to uh, underserved communities, that we will enable uh, an ability to be more robustly contributing to the pipeline of individuals that need to be brought into this. And from an academic perspective, um, certainly uh, some of the historical uh, perceptions from an industry standpoint that we have about how folks get into the cybersecurity industry, we need to we need to challenge those, I think, at every turn uh, and maybe look for other ways to get folks up to speed in a shorter period of time so that they can begin nearly immediately contributing to uh, cybersecurity outcomes for the industry. And there are a number of ways you can do that, uh, which, you know, hopefully we'll get into some of the conversation. But, you know, the observations and initiative uh, from the government are absolutely uh, a welcome piece to this. And I think that, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, government can be in a great position to help corral resources and really point it towards uh, particularly intractable problems like this one uh, related to the cybersecurity workforce. Yeah, so obviously they're kind of leading or or taking a leading position on this. Um, Obviously, there's a lot that goes on within the industry to kind of encourage people into the workforce. But this seems like they're kind of like starting to really fly the flag. Do you think the strategy kind of goes far enough or is it 
are you seeing it as just like a first step? What What's your view of it? No, I mean it, it's all in the execution, right? Uh, anything like this is a is a great initial first step, uh, but I think it'll be incumbent upon. Uh, the stakeholders and all of the entities that have committed to participate in this to actually support uh, in practical ways um, the outcomes that we're all looking for out of an initiative like this. So it's great to, to like you say, plant the flag, uh, but the real work is going to be in the details. The real work will be done by, um, you know, both government, uh, so public and private partnerships that essentially will bring this thing to some kind of actual fruition. Um, you know, there, there's 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 a gap uh, between the people who could help support this effort. And by that, I mean these diverse communities and others and folks who might be interested in careers in cyber uh, and the ability of large scale enterprise to actually onboard new employees with very limited cyber training. Uh, there's a huge gap there. And so we have to figure out as an industry, what are the actual skills that we're looking for in people in order to, uh, make them effective at that initial, you know, uh, three months to six months on the job to enough time to get them up to speed so that they're uh, learning and a value add within the industry. What are we asking, you know, nonprofits like Cyversity, Wesis and others, what are we really asking them to do in terms of prepping those those individuals for uh, eventual matriculation into the industry? And then are we marrying them up with the appropriate um skilling resources in order to prepare them for these opportunities. And I, I think there's no there's no shortage um, of curriculum based organizations that have the appropriate skilling that we can uh, utilize to get folks up to speed. But it is in sort of creating the tissue connectivity between those steps, the upskilling, the actual maybe some preliminary um, pre job experience, some hands on lab type uh, experience that could be effective. Uh, and then the employers, I think, have to take a step back and understand that, you know, entry level really means entry level, which means you're getting uh, you're getting sort of bare bones what the employee needs in order to get started. But then the organization has to continue to invest uh, in this new employee so that they get the skills, um, additional skills that they need, that they get the experience that they need so that they're uh, closer to being a value add uh, sooner rather than later. So there's a lot of pieces here. And it's, as, as with anything, you know, that the devil's in the details. You have to really get in and be willing to do the hard work to um, to make to stitch all the pieces together and ultimately make it work. Yeah, so you kind of touched on quite a lot of what some of the four pillars that the um, strategy has kind of outlined. And I wanted to just expand on a couple of those. So like you said about like having people with the right skills. So in the strategy, they talk about transforming cyber education. What does that mean to you? And like, are there enough educators? Obviously, you mentioned some um, institutions like Subversity and WESIS that have like curriculums that people can get involved in. But in general, is there enough out there to kind of actually start working on that? Or what needs to be done in that education kind of sector? Well, I would caution. I mean, what what's enough when we're more than a decade behind a problem now that tells us that we're, you know, here in the U.S., 750,000 open positions uh, annually on cybersecurity. So is there enough? Probably not. I think what the I think what the pillar, though, is is speaking to is that we as an industry need to be advocating for a different way to get folks up to speed. And so um, while, you know, I, I'm a four-year college graduate, I have an MBA, which means I went, you know, to some extra schooling, maybe, just maybe four years of training in, uh, in a cyber perspective academic discipline 
uh, while it's great, may not be the pathway that everyone needs to take in order to break into cyber. I mean, we've seen examples of, you know, folks right out of high school uh, with some amount of certification and training being viable uh, participants in the industry, being viable, you know, personas and folks that can break into the industry and actually get started. So I think what they're speaking to is the idea that a combination of things are needed here. Yeah, we still need folks to go to the four-year universities and make that deep dive investment in cybersecurity curriculum and training. And there are lots of universities out there that have programs either new or well-established that support, you know, well-educated graduates who are ready to break into the industry. But there's also a pathway via certifications and some other means that we can get folks to the table in a much quicker fashion. And this is the kind of space uh, that entities like Cyversity uh, really thrive in, which is how can we, from a return on investment standpoint, make an initial investment in a candidate, get them a cert, get them some quick training, and then get them an internship, get them some viable work experience that will then matriculate into a job. And so while you're not talking about a four-year time span, you're probably talking about six months to 18 months, get them through a process and actually get them up to speed in a much quicker fashion. I think that along with some of these other methods is a absolutely viable approach to, to, to help the problem. And so I think it, what it means, we just need to be looking at it differently. We need to get away from this idea that we're looking for folks, you know, with, 10 years IT experience and or cybersecurity experience in order to take on an entry-level job. You know, the running joke in the industry is that, you know, many of the entry-level job postings require five years worth of experience. Like as an industry, come on, like we're, we're being, that's a bit of, that's a bit of a ridiculous requirement. We need to think about what skills do we need present in the individual when we bring them on board? What can we teach them? Because we, we have to believe that you have to make an investment in, uh, in these new employees. Realistically, how long will it take you to get them up to speed? And so it's a combination of all those things, I think, in terms of changes that are going to work eventually. So it's a little bit about um, employers being willing to make the investment as well. So one of the other pillars um, that's mentioned is expanding and enhancing the national cyber workforce. And when the announcement was made, a lot of stakeholders were listed that already have like programs and initiatives that are trying to support that effort. What do you, do you think there's enough going on? Is, is Does it need to be linked up more? Like you were kind of saying previously, there's a lot of initiatives out there, but they just need to be joined up. What's your kind of view of that, like expand and enhance the national workforce pillar? Yeah, uh, love the, the idea that global enterprises have signed on to this. I think we need more. We need more of a commitment from uh, industry that they understand that they are part of the, the challenging solution to this, um, that they need to be more accepting of the idea of what it means to bring on board new employees and that that investment um, is a calculated one that everyone's going to have to make. The old saying, uh, rising tide lifts all boats, right? The more in- enterprise you can get devoted to this and actually committing to it, I think the better off the overall industry is going to be uh, because as an industry, if we can get really smart about the skills that we're looking for, the types of individuals that we're looking to bring uh, into the industry, and then make a commitment to that fact. Sometimes they can partner with nonprofits like Cyversity to help identify pipeline a pipeline of candidates 
Uh, they they can open up their own, stand up their own initiatives, right, and solicit candidates and bring them through some kind of training or matriculation program. It's just being it's being very intentional about how we get to the end zone on this. Uh, and I think what's what was lacking before this is that there's been a lot of spotty efforts around the industry. Um, you know, the organizations of the world have have made commitments to this in a um, in a fashion that didn't show that the entire industry needs to be galvanized around this particular effort. Yes, definitely. And then finally, the last kind of thing I wanted to touch on relating to that um, strategy that was announced is the diversity within the cyber workforce. I think that's as big a discussion point as like the workforce gap in itself. Um, and it's highlighted in the announcement as a key strategic advantage for a cybersecurity industry. What do you see the future of diversity in the in the workforce looking like? What are the efforts that are actually being made? Do you see a change? You've been a practitioner for um, a, a long part of your career. So have you seen changes? What's your view of that? And is it a key strategic advantage? It is. The TLDR on this is that actually you can't get to the end state that's desired without having diversity um, and equity and inclusion being a part of the strategy. Um, there is no way we can close down on the number of available positions without expanding the lens uh, of the individuals that we're trying to bring into the pipeline. And I think this is where DE&I plays a crucial role in actually being able to move the needle on this issue. And as you all know from prior conversations we've had, this is, the, this is my passion area. This is where I show up in the industry truly believing that as an industry, we will have better cybersecurity outcomes and we will enable and help this workforce by identifying and bringing diverse candidates to the table um, because there's, they're willing, in many instances, they have to be made aware um, that there is a viable career for them in the cybersecurity field, and sometimes they need a hand up or a lift up in terms of getting access to materials. That's where organizations like Cybersity, like RISES, like Mises, where we all play a role in uh, trying to make sure that we get these diverse candidates to the kinds of training and opportunities that will help give them that leg up uh, and lift into the industry. And I actually, I, I think this is critical. And I think it's 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 so critical um, to the eventual outcome that it's important that it's an identified pillar and that industry has to understand that this also is part of the mandate. Like they, they have to understand that if you want to bring in more people just in terms of volume and have them work cybersecurity jobs. If you continue by the old standards, you will never get to a point of closure on this. Um, so we need to shake up those standards a little bit uh, in the approach, widen the lens, and try and identify more inclusive groups that we can bring into this, uh, this particular industry. Because I think without it, um, the industry will continue to see really what's, what's been at just a, an onslaught uh, a really high-profile negative incidents related to the, the term cybersecurity, right? The term cybersecurity gets attached to all of these, every breach, every instance of uh, a uh, privacy issue that pops up. The industry desperately needs more people to attack this problem, and broadening the lens to the, to the world's diverse population is a way to do that. It's part of the answer, absolutely. And then finally, I wanted to touch on the organization you work with, Cyversity. You mentioned it a couple of times um, as we were discussing um, the strategy. Um, 
So you just announced the formation of an advisory board with some amazing members, including Phil Venables from Google Cloud and Clara Rosso from ISC Squared. Um, what's on the horizon for them and for Cyversity in general over the next 12 months? And are you aligning with this um, national workforce strategy? Uh, so let me ask answer the last question first. Yes, we, we intend to align our 2024 planning at Cyversity um, with the national strategy to make sure that those touch points where we feel like we can be an immediate value add, we want to absolutely advocate to support uh, in the way that we have historically this, this uh, transition of an industry into a more diverse one. And so we will continue to bring new uh, members into the Cyversity fold uh, that come from you know, the populations of women, people of color, and, and now we've had a recent reamplification of our commitment to the veterans community. We'll continue to bring those folks in, give them the ecosystem, the networking, the training, and things that they need from us, uh, us being Cyversity, so that they are prepared to uh, enter the industry and for our senior uh, members continue to thrive in the industry. So that, that role we intend to continue to play. The advisory board's uh, interesting. The advisory board, um, or the re- reiteration of it, was um, was an idea that we came up with several months ago, just making sure that while Cybersity is currently run by senior executives in the industry, myself being one of them, I work for, you know, in my day job, Google Cloud, um, we understood that we needed some additional touch points in the industry, some advice as to how to navigate how best to have industry impact. And so the advisory board members uh, were uh, virtually handpicked uh, in terms of our outreach to them. And thankfully, in those outreach meetings, every one of them uh, said yes to the proposal that they, one, that they're passionate about this issue and wanted to contribute in a way that supports uh, the Cybersity mission. And so we're, we are uh, eternally grateful. The, the return on investment has already been fruitful for us as an organization as the advice and insights that they give have led already to um, the generation of projects and leads as an organization that we think ultimately will make us stronger. And so that, that takes us to the, the last question or the first question that you asked, really, what are we going to do in the next 12 months? We're, we're going to continue to build the foundational pieces that will allow Cybersity to execute in a flawless manner. Um, we have some partnerships uh, that we've undertaken that will allow us to essentially be an organization that is a contributor across all aspects of the cybersecurity lifecycle for our members. We want to impact at the high school level, at the college level, entry level, mid-level, and even senior level for cybersecurity practitioners and professionals. And the way we view our ability to do that is, one, to be flawless in execution. That's where the advisory board comes in and the leadership team. And we're actually going through a refresh of our board of directors right now as well. Um, the way that we do that is by partnering with organizations that can really help us bring value to our members across every portion of their cybersecurity life cycle, as it were. And I think we've made a good start on formalizing the relationships that we need with some of the you know more well-known entities out there. And we're actually forging new relationships. So as an organization, we want to be outstanding in execution, and we also want to be known as an industry partner uh, and heavy contributor to this ecosystem that we're all trying to contribute to. Amazing. Well, I look forward to seeing how you align with that strategy next year and also what else you have coming up and how the advisory um, board are assisting you on that journey. But MK, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insights into a topic that I know is um, very important and close to your heart. Outstanding. Thanks for having me, Beth. 
so yeah it was so great speaking with mk and i've talked to him a couple of times now um he hosted a event at rsa in san francisco and you can just tell he has such a real passion for this and is excited to see when things are going well but also has a real knowledge of what we need to work on and um i'm looking forward to seeing the work that um cyversity continues to do I know they recently appointed a new advisory board with some really great names in it. And I did have the pleasure of speaking with Maureen Allison, who was the um, global CISO for Johnson & Johnson. Um, She was an absolutely fantastic interview guest. And um, for our listeners, you can check that out on the InfoSecurity magazine website in the coming weeks, as I will be putting that together, writing up her thoughts. And a lot of it is to do with the discussion we've had today. Um, But with that, thank you, James, for um, joining me on the episode today. You're welcome. Yeah, very important topic. So uh, delighted to discuss that. With that, it does bring us to the end of the episode and um, thank you again to MK for taking the time to speak with me and to all of those who talk to us about this issue and continue to help Info Security Magazine promote the um, diversity issues as well as um, skills within the sector but until next time goodbye goodbye thanks for listening to the Info Security Magazine podcast For in-depth interviews with the industry's leading experts, check out our sister podcast where we sit down with a cybersecurity expert to discuss the hottest topics of the day and their personal journey into cybersecurity. And of course, for more news, analysis and expert insight, head to the InfoSecurity Magazine website at infosecurity-magazine.com.